This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Steve Latart here alongside with the mayor, Jeff Burton, the Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. Guys, 38 lead changes, chaos, conversation all weekend long on what to expect. Jeff, I'm going to get with you in a second. But, DJ, you were there calling the race with our friends from MRN. What did it look like out the window from the booth at Talladega? Well, before I talk about the fantastic race that we saw, which was unbelievable, let me tell you how good these people at MRN are. <laughs> unbelievable, the job they do. You know, I've listened to it all my life, but to be a part of that broadcast and see how they maneuver through this entire race, lap after lap, and do it seamlessly, was it was a pleasure to be a part of it, a lot of fun to do, but we had a fantastic race to call. These drivers, all 40 of them, unbelievable job they did all day. I think that's the thing. I mean, we, we, as fans, right, it's great to watch all that action, close action, three wide, four wide, flips, all that. But when you're driving them, yeah. this stuff's hard. I mean, we, I remember you and I raced with the Wickers on the roof and on the deck lid, on spoiler rather, and, man, it got your attention. And, and, you know, you're sitting here watching this. You have to remember they're going over 200 miles an hour. And the, the drivers, you know, you never would know it. You would never know they were driving dangerous race cars. They just went after it. It was fun to watch. Well, I've been wrong a lot in my career, and I was wrong again on Sunday. I've been very vocal. I did not enjoy the racing with the wicker bills on the roof back when that happened, and I was afraid this would look something like that. It was anything but. While I had the big closing rates, it was a great balance of speed with those closing rates. And I think the cars actually drove bad enough at times that the best cars matriculated to the front, the best driving cars, the best drivers – I was thoroughly entertained, but we had a conversation. Every Monday we talk about the turning point. Well, what was the turning point in Talladega? Because you could do an hour show <laughs> over just the chaos yeah. we saw there. But in my mind, guys, it all comes down to the red flag at the end, that final restart, who made the right moves. And funny enough, we caught a couple Chevy drivers talking during that red flag about how they were planning on trying to win the race. All right, Tyler, go tell stories, ask about favorite colors, what everybody wants to do here. Okay, here's what Kurt said. 18 hasn't been very strong, and he feels if the 22 and 17 get out, we let the one in, and then we got all the Chevrolets to drive around the 17 and 22. 
got the opportunity and we can get him in, we can get him in, for sure. I mean, we can, if we can get him down and get going, we'll do it. Uh -oh. Right there, you can slide in. Uh -oh. oh, you're good. You're good. We got numbers on the 18 now. First in, here we go. And one went to the bottom of the 17. One went to the bottom of the 17. One's got all the help here. One back, coming to you. Make it wide, outside, outside, he's there. And Kurt now right up behind Joey Logano. All kinds of room down low. Here comes Chase Elliott. The battle for the lead is on. I thought the one behind me would want to race for the win and not just fall in line behind Fords and in front of Chevrolets, and he'd go with us a little bit there, but um, team orders prevailed, I guess. I thought I had to make that block on Kurt at the end, and uh, I successfully made that block, but I couldn't block both, and um, when I came back down, uh, the nine was already there, so, uh, and then they were teammates, and they were pretty selfless towards each other, and and they really kept pushing each other, and that was why we finished fifth instead of first, where uh, we were most of the race. I was really trying to stay with him and trying to, you know, stay the course on all that and, and be, um, you know, be a best friend I could be, you know, at that point in time. And he went to make a move on Joey, and honestly, I, I couldn't get up there to push him fast enough. And if I did, somebody else behind me probably wasn't going to do the same at some point that was gonna that was gonna hurt i got bottled up behind logano i didn't make the right move to get out of that that area quick enough and get back in front of chase pick one inside or outside they're, they're both chevys and even if i blocked the nine and stayed on the bottom with those two teammates behind me they were probably going to form a run and and stay behind each other to pass me i was pretty much a sitting duck i think i was kind of in trouble any way it went at the end of that race but we gave it our best shot. You can see, I, well, you call that frustration, disappointment out of the fourth place finisher, Joey Logano. Jeff, I've been a part of a lot of plate races and tried to help orchestrate plans and never seemed to work out. How did this plan seem to line up for the Chevy cars and namely at the end, Chase Elliott? Well, I think a commitment from Chase Elliott to let, to let Kurt down. I mean, that took a tremendous amount of commitment. You're giving up track position. You're getting yourself a car further behind. So we go back and watch this and see how all this played out. Kurt did a, you know, he, he got down right here. Chase gave him room, and there he goes. Now they're in position. Now, if I'm Chase Elliott, I'd have been nervous. That actually hurt me. That got me further behind than I'd want to be, but it ended up working out. Yeah, it sure showed that trophies are thicker than blood right there at the beginning <laughs> of that. But Kurt Busch did a great job of getting down in there. But right here's where it really starts. You can see Kurt Busch go to the very bottom and has a run here on the inside. So a little controversy, I guess. He is obviously below the yellow line at this particular point, but I don't know your opinion uh, as far as Stenhouse gave a little bit of a room, and, and then uh, the, the one car was down below, but no call. Well, once they eliminate the 17, then it's all eyes forward on the 22. And how about this run, Jeff? It continues into turn three. Well, Chase Elliott just pushing the one, and there's Kurt right there. According to, according to Kyle, that was Kurt staying in line, not wanting to win. But <laughs> <laughs> it looks to me like he's trying pretty hard to win. Made a move. Logano made an extremely aggressive block. All you heard before the race is that those kind of blocks will get, get you wrecked. Logano made a huge block. Really, I don't think he had a, a choice. He had to block something. He had to make a choice. He may have chosen the wrong line, but that was a difficult decision. Well, Logano's so good at blocking, they had to try to pass him from third. And that's what Chase Elliott did. And not to take anything away from Chase, but he really just stayed in line. And it worked out. The lead moved up the racetrack. He got it. But at this point, DJ, I wasn't sure this thing was over. While there were Chevrolets lined up in the bottom, the Fords were so fast. You see Joey Logano kind of pulling that top lane. You see Eric Amarola in the distance. You see that yellow Penske car falling back. But if they ever get organized, I thought there would be a run. Yeah, the thing to me was, as I watched this race all day, the Fords were so fast. 
that they couldn't get help from a Toyota or from a Chevrolet because they couldn't catch them. They couldn't get to their bumper to really push them. Yeah, right there, I, you know, we talk about teamwork, the Chevys, how much they really did work together. I mean, right there, about a lap ago, if, if I was Alex Bowman, I'm jumping the outside. I got Logano behind me, I'm gonna win the race. And maybe that talk, you know, before the race, that that prevented Alex Bowman doing it. Now Logano's all further back, but you could have had a pusher in Logano maybe pushing you to the lead. Yeah, and this is still with two laps to go. That's more than enough time at Talladega. Heck, all day long we saw a guy from 10th to 1st in just a couple laps. I haven't given up on Joey Logano. I wonder how much Kurt Busch is trying not to help him because he's kind of separated the two Fords of the 10 and the yeah. 22. I'm sure he would push him if he could, but the Chevy cars, to your point, how organized. They're not even even looking out of line at this point. Well, and, and you have to remember at a plate race, when you're coming to one to go, like you're coming right now, you have to assume that there's going to be a wreck. Yes. So if you're Alex Bowman, you can't, if the first chance you have to make a move from, from the time you get to about right here, you can't wait to turn four on the white because you, almost every race on a plate, we see a wreck. And then right here, you see Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the blue car at the top of the screen. I think he has a flat tire. It looks like a little wiggle, hard impact into the wall. And then this really comes to the conversation of how NASCAR should manage it. In this instance, they're holding the yellow, waiting to see where the 17 ends up. The field continues to race through three and four. Uh, excuse me, one and two. Yeah, and we get to this point, and I was looking right at Stenhouse, knowing that they could not race back there. When were they going to make this move? And then this happens. David Reagan uh, gets a little bit loose, gets into William Byron, and, and then takes out, and we saw the 42 flipping. And so that's whenever the caution came out. They made the right call as far as, you know, the lineup and, and who was in front and all of that. But they were going to have to throw this caution. It was just a matter of seeing, okay, can the 17 move, and is the track clear enough for them to come back? I applaud NASCAR. They've been pretty consistent at making this happen or trying to make it happen, you know, they could have immediately thrown that caution uh, because the, the lead cars had just gone across the start-finish line when Stenhouse wrecked and, and saw that he wasn't going to go, and there would have been no race uh, back to it. But if there's any chance, NASCAR was trying to give the drivers that opportunity. So I think a couple things. First of all, Chase Elliott did a nice job. Chevy teammates seemed to work together, and they got the win talking about the 17 spin and then the 42. Thankfully, Kyle Larson got out after a big yes. ride. We're going to talk about that car and how it got airborne a little later in the show. But, Jeff, I think it's two schools of thought. Up until the last lap, there's no doubt in my mind, when that 17 hits the wall, it's an automatic yellow. Yeah. But NASCAR, to your point, Dale, has been consistent where they officiate the last lap differently. They let the wreck happen, and as long as they don't feel there's an injury potential wreck, they take a minute, they step back, they say, okay, well, where's the 17, where's this? I don't even think they're looking at the leader. They're just trying to decide if they can race back or not. That racing back kind of allowed the wreck on the backstretch to happen. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the delayed yellow because I feel they're doing it in the best interest of the fan to try to finish the race. Where do you stand on that? I agree with you 100%. I think that the fans deserve to see this race go as long as it could have. They could have they could have thrown the caution as soon as the 17 spun, race would have been over. Why do that? You know, let it play out. Maybe the 17 gets rolling. Yep. You know, the get, you have that racetrack at a two and a half mile racetrack. You have enough time to analyze, look out the window, see exactly what's going on, make that call. You can always call the caution later. I, I, I think it's 100% the right thing to do. I watching it live, I thought that it, the minute I saw Larson, you know, just as he went out of frame, I saw him get in the air. Right, right after that, the caution came out. I thought they threw the caution because of needing to get right, to him, right. but O'Donnell said later, no, yeah, we were right. going to throw the caution because of the debris and the 17. You can see right here, there's the debris, uh, but, but you know, I like the fact that they let it play out. I think when you throw that caution, that's, that's difficult, and NASCAR's yeah. 
by, by, by giving the fans a chance to see the end of the race happen, they've set themselves up for failure, right? Because oh, yeah, everybody's going to judge it. Yes, because yeah, if right. the 88 and the 24 oh, yeah. are side by oh, side, oh, and the, yeah. minute, the, tw- oh, the minute the 24 edges the head, oh, they wanted to do it so Chase Elliott could yeah, win. The They're going to catch right. that. Yep. Yeah. But they did the right thing by giving the fans as much racing as they could possibly want. I, I think what impresses me even more is, remember, there's been changes, right? David Hoots is no longer in the tower. There's mm-hmm. a new race director. There's a yeah. new head of the Cup Series. Steve O'Donnell's up there as well. And, and I think, so I've been fortunate enough to watch some races up there. And the majority of the race, the race director makes the calls, right? But in that situation, as you mentioned, 2.66 miles, over 40 seconds. They know they have. I like the fact that I feel comfortable today saying that's consistent. So even with a new race director, I'm not sure if he asked O'Donnell if they got two opinions. I'm not sure how it went down, but I felt like I can lean on other instances where they took the time. In my heart of hearts, they're not looking out the window seeing who's leading the race. No. They're looking no. down to try to see if this was yeah. – what did Ricky Stenhouse say? He goes, I stayed buckled in because I want him to come back to the line, but even he knew, <laughs> man, you're yeah. too close to the start Yeah, it was, it was way too close standing there looking at that, knowing that. And NASCAR is not looking – saying, okay, who's in the lead right now? When do we throw this? They they see the leaders and where they may be on the racetrack and making an informed decision at that particular time as to whether we can let them come back around here. And I appreciate that because you sat there all day long. These fans have sat there, and they want to see this finish come down to that start-finish line that is different than any other track that you have and creates great finishes. But yesterday it just wasn't possible to make that happen. Well, one, one thing I do want to say is that, you know, this same thing is going to happen at – Richmond. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the fans are go- some fans are going to say, well, at Talladega, you did this. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. 22-second laps. Some of the consistency <laughs> means things are going to have to be inconsistent, right, meaning sure. you got to be consistent for a particular type of racetrack. Yeah. You can't call Richmond the same way right. you call Talladega. Yeah. If you're at Talladega, call it like you're at Talladega, not like you're at Richmond. Well, the difference is you go to a downforce track, even if it's big like Indy, and you say, well, Tal- you know, Talladega's big – the field spread out. Yeah. See, at Talladega, yeah. no one else was coming. Right. The field yes, is on the right. backstretch. But I think that's one of the wrecks. I think we it, it would be a mess if we didn't talk about that Kyle Larson. All weekend long, the speeds were a conversation. Oh, sure. Ryan Newman was vocal. He was concerned that cars would get airborne. I was pretty comfortable to say that if a car started spinning and it had a contact from another car and went in the air, I'm not sure how you simulate that. That is a risk of Talladega. My concern with this 42, Jeff, is to be quite frank, it spun out of line. I didn't see another contact from the 18, and it just got airborne. I'm sure NASCAR's looking at it, but this is something they're going to have to look at moving forward with this package. If we can roll back on the tape when the car first starts to spin, we can roll back and see it. Pretty early on, the 42 starts to get airborne. By himself, without real contact. Right, without contact. And that is going to require an ask. That's going to get their attention. So we see the aftermath of it, but well before that, you can see air under, you know, Mm -hmm. you can see light underneath the rear tires. Ryan Newman, you said Ryan Newman brought this up and said, hey, you know, is this good enough? This will get their attention. They'll have to pay attention to it. Well, they deserve credit. I mean, Kyle Larson said it was the longest flip he's ever taken. I was very thankful he hit the safer barrier, didn't get above it into the catch fence. Um, But he tweeted that he was okay. Fox interviewed him after the race. Uh, he wanted to see it. You could tell he was like, I know what it felt like. Does somebody have the video? <laughs> DJ, you, I don't want to see it. Well, you've been on your lid at Daytona. I mean, as a race car driver, I guess at that point there's nothing you can do but hope it ends up on the wheels. Yeah, that's what you hope, that it, you know, that this ends as quickly as it possibly can. And and that was a, a lot of flipping there and hard impacts uh, because of how high the car got there. But, you know, there's only so much that, that NASCAR can do and take into consideration. I think they thought they had things well under control if this situation happened. But I do think the wicker probably had something to do with that uh, and adding to the spoiler and everything. So uh, there, there was just so many things as you got there in the weekend. And, and, you know, 
What else do you do uh, except yeah. tell the drivers, hey, be careful well, and try not to get in this situation? It's a tough job because one thing I've learned is you drivers will wreck everywhere, any position, hit anywhere on the racetrack. So it's hard to judge. But I agree, NASCAR is going to have to look at it, try to figure out another opportunity to try to keep the cars on the racing surface. But coming up, we're going to discuss some of the other winners from this past weekend at Talladega. Chevy's worked together really well today. Uh, I'm happy that Chase is in victory lane. Cool to see uh, Chase and the Chevrolet end up in victory lane. You know, you have to lay a plan and you have to, to, to really try to execute. You know, it was really pretty seamless. You know, it, it worked out well. You know, Chevy's got both stages and the win in the poles. So it's, it was the plan and it worked. So we look pretty smart right now. First of all, it was really cool to get a, a stage win in the Geico 500 in our 100 start. After the year we've had, second place is, is obviously really good. Really found ourselves in position to log laps. And, get ourselves to the end, which is something I'm not accustomed to doing here at the Speedway. So. I was licking my chops to get back to the lead one more time. I just made made a, a host of mistakes. Like I couldn't couldn't make the runs that I needed to to get back uh, up there challenging for the lead. I just kind of played it safe. I really played it safe for 80% of the race. I'd like they had another three quarters of a lap. I've been doing this urging for 20 years and I don't ever remember a cup car this difficult to drive and that's what it needs. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. It was kind of what I expected, but at the same time, um, just a lot of chaos. You don't know exactly how everything's going to play out. Out of control. I mean, it was uh, it was something from our seat. It was busy as all hell inside the car. Uh, but man, it, it was it was tough to drive. Uh, everybody was elbows out all day and did a pretty good job. That kind of sucked. Just um, you know, we weren't able to have the runs. I had to try to recover after that, and, and all I could get was whatever I got. You know, hopefully we could build some momentum and and uh, keep keep building on this because. Uh, I don't want to just run good at these. I want to run good at Dover, Kansas, you know, all those places. Coming home top 10, I keep telling these guys, I don't know what's so tough about this. I only show up every three months, I get top 10. I mean, yeah. No one can say it like Brendan Gaughan. Surprisingly, all Chevrolets. Ryan Priest, the first guy. Nice run, ended up in third. I thought that was a nice job for the modified guy. Yeah, Ryan Priest, he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up. That's for sure. He, I feel like he was right at home in the middle of that. Think, go back, think about Loudon in the modified race. You know yeah. how aggressive that is. He, he wasn't too far from that. He fell right at home. Well, another Chevy top five, Daniel Hemrick finished fifth. Did a great job all day long. I think both of them played it. And I think they both said this, that they kind of played it uh, a little bit on the easy side uh, at first. They didn't mix it up in, uh, any more than they had to in the first three quarters of this race. But when it came time to go, they did that. And what's so great about this, we're talking about the biggest track that they race on. And these are short track racers going and getting the job done. Uh, and that's basically what you were in a Saturday night shootout. Well, we heard from Brendan. One day I'm going to have to go back and watch all of his super speedway races because I have no <laughs> idea how he does it. But he always ends up in the top ten. And we heard some sound there. Ty Dillon. Won that stage at Bristol. Well, how about backing it up with another stage win at Sponsors Home Race, the Geico 500. He won the uh, first stage there at Talladega. So it was good. But guys, it wasn't just on Sunday. One thing we love about Talladega is the names that show up at the front of the leaderboard. And Saturday's race was full of names that we don't normally see at the front. I tell you one thing. I told my guys when we came here, I left it all out on the table, man. I, I, I did as much as I could to get beside him. But when the 98 came up, he kind of blocked my run. Um, and, and it was, man, it was so, so close. But I can't say enough about Panini, my family, my friends, all these race fans, you know. Every single lap I get in this car, I drive my heart out, and uh, today it almost worked out. Man, what a day, baby. Talladega, let's go. My spotter, Derek Nealon, did a fantastic job. Our guys did a really good job of fixing the car up when the driver drove it in the fence early on in the race. Um, but we were able to still score the stage points once again all day today, um, and we were able to rebound from almost going a lap down in the final stage and winning the race. It's pretty crazy. 
I mean, wh where do we start? To <laughs> it looked like Reddick was texting and driving on the back stretch of that last. <laughs> I, I mean, so, so we talk about Saturday, the Xfinity Series, where names are made. That's the slogan. And those closing laps, they made it all the way to the checkered with young drivers. Talk about aggressing. This wasn't a single lane change. He was using every lane all the time. I mean, it was. It had my breath taken away. Yeah, you mentioned. Look at all the young drivers. I mean, there's no veterans in there, and there's a, there's a reason. Well, Cup guys won't run this race, <laughs> and that's why. But you know, listen, Tyler Reddick is. He has shown me in the last six months. This is the next guy. He, this, you know, if I if I were a Cup team. If, you, if I'm, I'm looking at him, that guy, he hit a lot of stuff early in his Xfinity career, but he was always fast. And you think about who's been the best this year at almost ex every Xfinity race. Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, mm -hmm. Tyler Reddick. It's been those three. Tyler Reddick is the real deal. That guy right there, he has a long future ahead of him. He really does. I've really been impressed. I, I, as you said, I think from the beginning we saw that he knew how to go fast. But could he get a car to the end of the race? And, and now he's figuring that part of it out. Even though he had a little scrape with the wall, that didn't slow him down there. Jeff, that one thing I had to laugh at on that last lap watching him, I had a flashback to the 90s when we ran 20-to-1 steering boxes. <laughs> that there's no possible way to make those moves. You'd have still been over here trying to get back and making that. So just incredible what they're able to do with that. But uh, he did it, made all the right moves at the right time. Well, and Greg Alden, you heard some sound from him there, finishing second. You could hear the excitement. You know, this is a guy that said he's out there every week. Like, he didn't just show up for the speedways. He saw his opportunity, and I give him an A-plus, right? He didn't run like he was happy with second. Yeah. The 98 kind of bulldozed his way through with an 08 capitalized, spit the 98 back on the line, and he forced Tyler Reddick to make some of those aggressive moves towards the end. Listen, it, it, it's why do the fans love Talladega? Because it's not just unpredictable of what kind of race you're going to see. It's a little unpredictable of who you're going to see in the race. Yeah, Greg Gaulding, you know, thinking about Greg Gaulding, he's a guy who's had a shot driving really good equipment, you know, lost that opportunity. Now he's trying to earn his way back. And you see him in cup races, you see him doing anything he can to have a shot. And you, a guy like that, you put him at Talladega with a few laps to go, and he's not going to be conservative. He's going to lay it out there and get everything that he can, as he should. Did a really good job. It was exciting Saturday and Sunday. But up next, how Team Chevy put their egos aside and why Chase wasn't the only Elliott celebrating in victory lane this weekend. I honestly can't describe it to you. I mean, like, I, after the race was over, just kind of the way it ended, I was in la-la land down there when I was looking for the checkered flag. I, I really don't know. I just know that, you know, every time I stood up, the crowd stood up, and every time I got fired up, they got fired up. And, I mean, that's just something that you can't ever take for granted. what's really going to get a crowd riled up, but when a driver is from close enough to Talladega, Alabama, I'm telling you, the crowd was louder than the cars last few laps, Chase. What does a win here mean to you? It was unbelievable. I, um, I've watched that happen here before and never would have thought in a million years uh, there would have been that much noise for, for me, but it was uh, just an incredible 
incredible turn of events. Obviously, those last few laps and kind of seized parted for me and gave me an opportunity. Um, had a lot of a lot of great teamwork and, and help throughout the day. A lot of friends um, in that bottom lane throughout those last handful of laps to make that work. But that reaction after was unbelievable. Um, and just to uh, to have experienced that is something something you really can't even describe. So just a, a huge thanks to all the folks that were pulling for us today. It was it was loud and rowdy. When did you hear it loudest, and what was going through your heart and your head when you heard that? Yeah, I couldn't hear it obviously in the car, but once I got out, I could I could hear everybody. And uh, you know, you get out of the car and stand up on the car, and people cheer. I mean, I, that's just something I don't even know. It, it's just crazy, and and um, just happy we could make those folks proud today. There's a lot of people pulling for us, I guess. Uh, they're making a lot of noise, so glad we could get it done. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some more of them uh, over here. This is close to home, and. That made me feel that way today. I was going to say, and your dog Fletch was included in that. And your grandma was here, so pretty special for that too. Super cool. Uh, my mom has actually missed all of all of the wins last year. Um, my grandmother has never been been at a win, and my dog missed all the wins as well. So, um, again, you know, close to home feels a lot like a home race. And you know, the crowd not only made me feel that way today, but having having my family here is is special and. Um, these races are, are hard enough to win, much less time it up to where people that are that important in your life are here. So my dad's not here today, so mom got him back, I guess. He was at a couple last year that she wasn't, so we'll, um, we'll celebrate uh, with him when we get home. The win obviously propels you toward the playoffs. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's just nice to, to get a sticker this early in the year. You know, I mean, last year we were, we were well beyond halfway, I guess. Well, a little ways past halfway, uh, late in the summer months at Watkins Glen. So, you know, those playoff points are big. Um, we didn't have very good pace at Richmond a couple weeks ago, or yeah, two weeks ago. So, just nice to uh, to rebound back with a with a win and, and to get a sticker and move on and, and lock, not only lock yourself in, but gain those bonus points. Those are the things that really propelled those guys last year all the way to the to the final four. So we need to keep doing that. Chase Elliott building momentum with a win here at Talladega today and reinforcing that fan base. They were going nuts for him today in Alabama. Well, guys, you heard him talking about his dad, Bill Elliott. Well, Chase wasn't the only winner in the Elliott family this week, and his dad, Bill, won a stock car feature down at Road Atlanta on Saturday. Austin Bill from Dawsonville led every lap in the 2006 number nine Dodge Charger. I think that car has actually led every lap before, <laughs> so not a big shocker. But then Chase's win also made the Elliotts one of three father-son tandems to win. We have the Allisons, Davey and Bobby. We have the Earnhardts, Dale Jr., Dale Sr., and now the Elliots to win at Talladega as a father-son duo. You guys raced against Bill. What do you think about this? I mean, this Elliot family, Talladega, kind of everywhere. I guess Talladega. But I think of famous <laughs> Bill Elliott, that core is number nine at Talladega. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the success he had there and, and what they did as a family organization. Uh, Chase, they're talking about a family and how special all of that is and, and having your family around to, to do all of that and the success that Bill had there. Those guys that Bill beat and led every lap, now they know what we felt like a couple of times over the years. Yeah, if you're at Road Atlanta and you got your – Historic car, you know, you're going to ride around some and Ray Everham and Bill Elliott roll up. <laughs> what, how does that make you feel? Like, <laughs> that can't exude confidence in the success you're going to have on historic race weekend. But congratulations to Bill. That's yeah, cool to see. Yeah. That's a cover. Now, honey, they're professionals. I'm not going to run with them. But uh, actually, I, like, I feel pretty fortunate. This was scheduled way ahead of time, but what a great week. I'm actually going to head to Dawsonville. If you're going to go to Dawsonville, 
and talk nice. to Chase Elliott. You have to do it at the Dawsonville Pool Hall. So, Latard on location pod. We'll head down there tomorrow. We're going to talk to hmm. Chase. Uh, you drink your, beer during your pod? Uh, yeah. Oh, pff, why can't you? Sure. Uh, if he can, I can, for sure. But it should come out on Wednesday. We're going to talk a lot <laughs> about Chase's career. We're going to talk about being the son of a Hall of Famer, what he does away from the racetrack. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. But, guys, one thing that we saw consistent at Talladega, Chase Elliott and a bunch of other drivers that had a good run had those bow ties on their fire suit. So let's take a listen to what the Chevy drivers had in plan when it came for Talladega. Really proud of Chevrolet and everybody sticking together, executing like we talked about doing and actually sticking to it. You know, we've talked about it before and just not been able to stick to it. So, uh, there's definitely strength in numbers and uh, you, you've seen it today when, when guys start working together and start pulling the train on the bottom. Uh, it's just so much faster and the guys in the second lane just can't muster up the runs that they need to uh, to get up there and challenge for the lead. It's just nice to have a plan at a, at a super speedway that can be so chaotic and we all stuck together and to have that security of having a teammate behind you to, to keep you in line and doing okay. Some of the other manufacturers have done an extremely good job over the past however many races of staying committed to each other and, and Chevrolet we've talked about it but it's hard with the amount of cars we've had to stay dedicated and uh, we put a huge emphasis on that everyone at Chevrolet did all of our race teams did and I feel like us doing it for the first time as committed as we were it looked like we had done it many times before so proud of uh, proud of the effort that went into getting us here and the effort that went into staying committed and putting our egos aside it's tough to get a bunch of drivers to do that but I feel like we did a great job of that today. Well, guys, it was a 13-race winless streak for the bow tie. But more than that, I don't know if it was Toyota at the Daytona 500 back a few years ago where they were so organized running up front or the Fords at Talladega last year, namely the Stuart Haas Fords. Yeah. Or perhaps it was the Hendrick Chevys working with the Toyotas at Daytona this year that caused this conversation. But it, as you heard all those drivers say, it was a conversation for years. This doesn't sound like a conversation. This sounds like an orchestrated plan and perhaps pretty pointed direction from a manufacturer. Yeah, I think we've all probably been part of discussions and talks and everybody gets in and, and everybody kind of says, okay, we'll buy into that. But then once you get out there, and then especially once as a driver, you suit up and you get behind the wheel, it's like, okay, this is good. We'll work for a long time in this race. This is 500 miles. But doing it at the end of the race, that's a different story. And those drivers stuck to that plan. I, I applaud them for, for doing that. And, you know, some of them stuck to it to a point that maybe it cost them a position or two. But as a group, they were successful and they made it work. And they went to victory lane for the first time in a while. I mean, Jeff, you, you mentioned on that restart, they let Chase Elliott lets Kurt Busch in and then the Chevys were lined up. Yeah, I, I thought that was that was huge. I mean, that, that right there showed me that they were indeed committed to doing it. There were times in the race that I felt like, you know, you just got where you were. You know what I mean? It's really hard to say, OK, there's a Chevy. That's where I'm going. It's really hard to do that. I think some of it was. Uh, some of it was orchestrated in the fact that th there was definite effort to do it, and other times it was just circumstances that got them there. But but that effort with Chase Elliott saying, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take myself and move myself back a spot at a plate race," yeah, you know, to do that, I thought that showed real commitment, and it and it got him the win. That move, that willingness to let Kurt in in front of him actually contributed to him <laughs> in a huge way of winning that race. So I, I'll be the first to say it. I'm not sure I like it. I, I don't know that I like these Toyota versus Ford versus Chevrolet. I did when it was kind of a storyline and you didn't see it happen on the racetrack. I think it's necessary. I think the manufacturers are now as organized as they've ever been, and that's what you have to do. So if I was on top of a pit box, I would absolutely be preaching it. As a fan, I, I don't know. I guess selfishly, I want to see everybody against everybody, but that's just not how it works in 2019. Well, I got a question. 
if all the Toyotas are going to work with all the Toyotas, and all the Chevys are going to work with all the Chevys, and all the Fords are going to work with all the Fords, why does it matter? Yeah, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's just going to be circumstantial of what group is leading, right? I mean, it's not like the Chevrolets just all of a sudden can say, we're going to beat the Toyotas or we're going to beat the Fords because the Fords are there to race too. And, and so if this is the future of plate racing, I don't know long-term how, it, how it's an advantage to one versus the other other than Chevrolet has more cars. That, to me, is the only advantage. Now, in this weekend, I thought it, that, that Ford got hurt because two of the really good Fords got taken out early. You yeah, took yeah. two Stuart Haas yeah. cars out really Boyer early in that wreck, oh, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes and, and yeah. how the future of this goes. If if, if everybody's going to work with their own manufacturer, at the end of the day, you know, how does that really impact? Because uh, I, I just don't know how you as Chevrolet or Ford can just automatically just do it better than the other two manufacturers. They're there to compete too. Be interesting to see how it yeah, maybe this will help the sports. I mean, you know, back in the day when oh, everybody yeah. said everything was great, I mean, you were either a Ford, a Chevrolet, or a Dodge fan, you know, and and you didn't cross over any. So you could separate know, the we, stands. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe this can you know help yeah. the sport and, and get a little bit of, of something going that that makes things a little more interesting for. Them. Well, and I would have loved to seen the last one mile to see if the eighty eight yeah. would have pulled out to try that to pass the nine. And oh, he I was gonna pull out. Well, and I would have loved it because because <laughs> selfishly he was in my fantasy lineup. Oh, wow. So Talladega fantasy when we look at the top five. Nate Ryan weaseled his way into first. Low point total. Oh. Speedways are always difficult. Dan Beaver there. Then Parker Kligeman. You see Rick Allen. Man, don't ever mention Rick Allen. DJ 131. You did pretty good. I didn't think you said his is horrible. My guys crashed on yeah, the last lap. Well, you're only horrible. four points out. It couldn't have hurt you too much. I thought oh, I was yeah, doing good, but you all gapped me a little bit. Dustin's just a footnote down there. <laughs> Dustin, poor Dustin. <laughs> be, be nice to poor Dustin. But, yeah, it is uh, it is close at the top for sure when it comes to fantasy things. Well, coming up, guys, the new Star Wars movie doesn't come out until Christmas. However, the Force will soon be with Dale Jr., and if you have ever seen him talk, you don't want to miss that. Here. I can't believe you're gonna have me on your show, Dale Jr. Download. I'm even staying over here in Charlotte to get it done. I couldn't even get your dad to talk to me. And you're gonna interview me? I'm gonna interview you. That's gonna be fun. There's so many things I wanna know about you and uh, your whole new life in TV world and sports and all this stuff that you're doing, it's really exciting. Well, guys, no athlete brings the energy like drag racing legend John Force. You can check out John Force's appearance on the Dale Jr. Download tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. Burton, 149 wins, 16 championships. And, oh, by the way, he's going to be 70 this Saturday. Yeah. I, I've never seen anyone with more energy than John Force. That's good, man. He is. So, he, it's always been like that. I, yeah. My image is of John Force, of him getting out of the car, completely covered with clutch oh, yeah. dust, whatever that is. <laughs> just on fire, and, probably. Yeah, right. just, <laughs> just wide open, you know. And he, he, is, uh, he, is a, he is a character and a legend in motorsports, an absolute legend. Uh, just incredible. I mean, what he's done for so many years, be that competitive and that fired up. I don't know where he gets all the energy, but it's, it's amazing to be around. So much fun to talk to. I can't wait to, to watch that tomorrow. And, and what he's done as a family, 
yeah. he has yeah. he's brought his his daughters in. They have made a name for themselves. I mean, that's what's really impressive. When when someone is an athlete and a star, that's great. But when it spills over and it becomes a family affair, even more impressive. And also, the, the, he's done a tremendous amount of giving back. You know, he got very involved in the safety side. Yeah. You know, had some fatalities, and he got very involved in that. So. He's not just been a guy that's just taken from the sport. He's given back to the sport, giving young drivers a chance. You know, he's done a, done a, had an incredible career, been, been a great asset to really all of motorsports. Well, guys, when we mentioned family, today is an emotional day for the Earnhardt family for two reasons. First, it is the birthday of the late, great Dale Earnhardt Sr. Dale Jr. tweeted this photo of his father earlier today. I love that photo. He's in there working just like we always remembered Dale Sr. doing. And along with that, the Earnhardt family, along with their close friends, are also saying goodbye to Brenda Jackson, the mother of Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt. Brenda passed away last Monday after a courageous battle with cancer. A celebration of life service is being held this evening in Mooresville. Brenda Jackson was 65 years old. Bubba Wallace gets spun. He goes up into the outside retaining wall. Holy Oh my god, 43 got us. Oh, it's done. Killed, killed. I'm just doing his job like crazy. Not wreck me. We're done. Kevin Harvick is into the outside wall. We just got hit in the ass. There's a lot of people that are way above their head, and I think that obviously proved it. Clint Boyer takes a spin. Literally trying to get out right there. I knew that dumb was going to wreck. It's my fault. Sorry. Well, guys, we've talked about a lot of winners at Talladega up towards the front, but you can't have just winners. You have to have some of the losers, and I think it has to start with Bubba Wallace. He was a li So I listened to his interview, and he talked about how he was just riding. Well, I hate to be critical, but I'm going to be critical. Man, he wasn't riding. He was pushing, and, and that was early in the race to be pushing. Um, I don't blame Ryan Blaney at all. I actually give him a, a round of applause for saving that car, yeah. but that wreck ended up taking some other big names with him. Yeah, I actually thought Blaney was going to wreck. I'm looking right at this uh, from the, the TV booth, I mean the radio booth there, and, and I thought Blaney did a magnificent job of just not wrecking. But you, you look at the other guys, obviously there's big names you talk, but Michael McDowell was just doing oh, yeah. a really good job at a fast race car all weekend. And he so looks forward. He knows this is one of his few opportunities to be in a position to possibly win a race uh, for that racing. Yeah, and you talked about it earlier, took out two of the good, really good forwards, too. Took out Harvick, took out Boyer, those two guys. And listen, Bubba Wallace isn't the first guy to start a wreck at a plate no. race. No. It's not the first one. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, his interview was, I'm just riding. You know, well, yeah, not really. But, right. you know, that's that's we've all done it. I know I've caused yeah, wreck at plate sure. races. It, it happens to everybody. Well, the defense I'll give him, though, is much like some of those other names. You mentioned Michael McDowell. I'm sure Bubba Wallace it's been a frustrating little bit of time at the 43, sure. and this yes. is the track that he's like, I can go up there, I can take the lead. Yeah. I can put this famous petty blue car near the front, maybe attract some sponsors. So I understand what he was doing. But another name came to mind. This wreck didn't completely end his day, but the damage did. Denny Hamlin, right? He won the Daytona 500. He's a guy that, when I think of a change in plate characteristics, pretty cerebral guy, I thought he could have found a way to bounce back. But I think Kevin Harvey, you could hear his frustration, right? He thought guys were racing. Wait, wait. Listen, one thing I know when you go to a speedway race, guys are going to wreck, and other guys are going to say how silly the guys are that wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't, we, you know, we can't get on a guy for trying hard. No. You know, you can't. That, but there are, t there are better times to be in that. You know, if that happens 
with two or three laps to go or 10 laps to go. You know, you understand that move a little bit more, but you know, he had a fast race car and he was going places. That's what this package allowed guys to do, bit the back and come to the front in a hurry. Well, that wasn't the only wreck. That was the first wreck and we saw the wreck that finished the race, but there were some other wrecks throughout the day that, that really it just came down to the runs and the speed of the runs. When you look at this one right here, I mean, Busher basically just gets spun off the nose of the 10 car and yeah. then Mike, uh, excuse me, uh, Matt DiBenedetto, Oh. I'm not even sure he saw the 37 coming. Well, keep in mind, too, you, th you know, the, the, the first wreck was off the nose of a Chevrolet. The Chevrolet, the shape of yeah. the nose is a little mm -hmm. bit different than that. The Ford's a pretty straight nose. And if you don't get lined up, if you don't get lined up and you get to the left side of the car, yeah. you're going to spin him out. And that's where it's, it, it's so counter, you know, it, it goes against everything you know as a race car driver to push on the right side because you're so afraid you're going to hook him in the right. Because oh, at Richmond, panel. you're going to yeah. wreck him. And that's yeah. a that's a you can't do that, right? I mean, that's a that's a something that race car drivers have been taught. You don't catch somebody in the right rear quarter panel. But if you push on that left rear, it is so volatile when it gets that car, just gets him in a really really bad position. And a lot of those wrecks we saw, they just guys just weren't lined up properly. And I'll go one further. If you don't push, you don't have a chance to win. Oh, yeah. Because those guys at the end, it was bumper tank. It was tank. the time. Yeah, and Logano somehow found a way to push with his rear bumper. So that was pretty <laughs> impressive as well. You, the, this rule package, and it always has been this way, it puts the drivers in a situation like nowhere else. Yep. Daytona and Talladega, the drivers are put in a position that they, you know, it's almost a no-win. If you're not aggressive, if you don't block, if you don't push, you can't win. And if you do those things, you might wreck. Yep. It's just that simple. Well, guys, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about shout outs and we're going to talk about a driver who definitely passed his driving test because it was the best parallel parking <laughs> job of the year. <laughs> Coming up after NASCAR America, 24 of the nation's best lacrosse players will be selected in the inaugural Premier Lacrosse League Draft. Find out who went number one tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. And every week, we discuss the guys on pit road, the pit crew all-stars. Well, this week, we have to talk about the team for Brad Keselowski. Brad slings that thing in backwards. <laughs> and how about this, guys? They find a way to change those right side tires like no, and the gas man. That's like the longest 15-yard oh dash with a gas can ever. Yeah, he needs a raise. And Brad gets it back going. I'm telling you, you could try that I don't know how many times. I'll give you 100 chances, and you'll not do that without tearing that race car up. Check the tire changer out. I mean, he was like, all right, let's go, let's roll, let's roll. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps over, everybody rolls in with the gas man. I mean, he had a long way to run. How much is that, 100 pounds? Oh, yeah, 100 pounds worth of gas on his shoulder. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, and the other thing, I know it sounds silly, but get the correct tire in the correct location. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that right front has a lot more air than that right rear. You swap them, that right front tire might not go the entire distance. So, uh, listen, that was an A-plus effort. So that they was stayed our... on the lead lap. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, I mean, like a quick trip through the uh, service station. <laughs> I was impressed. But that was our pit crew all-stars. But how about shout-outs, Jeff? What do you got for a shout-out coming up on Talladega weekend? So I am going to go with Grant Lynch and Russell Branham at the Talladega International Speedway. Those guys have brought the fun back to Talladega. Yeah. It was so much fun to go there. The infield's back fun. Everybody's down there. They're they're just they brought the party back, and it, it's a place where you have to go. If you've never been to Talladega, you have to go. And I will, I just I think that those two guys have done an incredible job, and the energy at Talladega is just it's unmatched. And and I just got to give a, a shout out to the fans for doing it, but but for those guys for changing and 
and making it like it used to be, right? They yeah. made it like it used to be, and it's fun. Well, why do they go? Why do the fans flock to Talladega? It's great racing, but it's not just that. It's a word you use all the time. It's an event. It's an event. It's an event. It's you go, I yeah. mean, you go there for three days. There's some yeah. more than enough to keep you busy. Yeah, got to yesterday and see all the fans. I mean, the, the the stands were packed, and you saw all the camping going on, and you saw people still sleeping over Saturday night and getting that ready before the race started and getting that out of the way. And it, it's just a great event uh, and a place that you need to go. Now they're also, as today came about, they started tearing things down. They're making a new fan zone, the biggest one, uh, bigger than Daytona because it's the biggest got track. Room, and yeah. they've got all this stuff. The new garages they're going to have, the fan experiences are going to get uh, just even more incredible. So uh, I applaud them also. Grant Lee's doing a great job, and and the race will the next race will be his final race there. He's retiring after that one. Hundred races at Talladega, they've been great. And my shout out goes to the guys behind the wheel. Uh, it was a lot of buzz all weekend long about speed. The drivers voiced their concerns, which I encourage. They have every right. But in the end, it's very simple. When the green flag fell, I watched 40 drivers perform. They put a show on. They tried to win a race. I saw very little riding. I saw a lot, not a lot of, I'm going to ride in the back. I'm going to be conservative. I don't know if they went out there with a the frame of mind that we owe this to the fans. But gosh, man, those fans got a race because all day long, when I say 38 lead changes, and that's just at the start-finish line, You've done it. You've done it. I've nerve-wrackingly sat on top of the pit box and watched it. Those drivers put a heck of a race on. I think it's so important for the fans to understand that when you crawl into a race car at Talladega in Daytona, there is a good chance you're going to be in a wreck. And if you think any one of those drivers went out there yesterday and performed like they were afraid they were going to be in a wreck, yeah. that didn't happen. And, yeah. and, you know, that takes a special kind of a person. And, and competition brings that out. But to your point, they could have gone in there and said, I hate this rule package. I don't like this. Well, I'm not going to race this hard. And they didn't. They just yeah. went and said, you know what? I'm going to be the one to win this race. Yeah. And that and the fans were the winners because yeah. of that. Yeah, they all drove their tails off. But how about a shout out to NASCAR? Because when you make a big rules change uh, like this at a place like this, and doing something away from restrictor plates to the tapered spacers and everything, you can't get enough cars together uh, at a test session to see exactly how this is going to work. And I know a lot of people get on to NASCAR about making changes on a race weekend, but the change that they made and didn't hesitate in between practices on Friday helped make these cars a little more stable, got them to a, a, a speed that they were comfortable with, and the drivers enjoyed what they had to work with there. And I feel like it's the change of the new year, you know, with terminology. I can't call it restricted plate racing anymore. Now it's yeah. super speedway racing. I'll finally get that, maybe by Daytona. Well, that'll do it from here in Charlotte. Don't forget an all-new Dale Jr. download with John Force tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. The perfecter of the patio and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.